when you're looking up at that coconut that's smashing down on your head and that's the last thing you see, thinking like, was it worth it? I think you have to be asking yourself that question about wherever you live. I love that. So like, is it worth it, the sacrifices that I'm making to live here? Whether it's for like money, business, relationships. Hey, podcast listener, even if you are alone in your entrepreneurial journey, know that today, right now in your earbuds, you are joined by thousands of entrepreneurs from all around the globe seeking to grow better, more profitable, location-independent businesses. If you'd like to learn more about what we do and download our entire back catalog, check out tropicalmba.com. Let's throw a curveball. Today, we're going to talk about an extremely popular question. It's been coming up in our community in the past year. The world is shifting. The travel calculus has changed. Our businesses are getting larger. The question is simply this. For those of you who moved back to the U.S., was it worth it? Okay, you might be raising your hand right now saying, I'm not from the U.S. I didn't move from the U.S. What the hell is happening? I think we could generalize the conversation just a little bit, which is, if you have a chance to move to a powerhouse economy or to a company based in one, or if you've moved away from your home country, was it worth it to move back? And was it worth it to leave in the first place? We're going to talk about some of those issues today. Start the conversation, not end it. Uh, man, I can probably do a four-hour podcast on this topic. So if you want that, you can send requests to dan at tropicalmba.com and let me know your story. And for all this, I'm going to invite Ian on the show in just a few minutes to share some pros and cons and some prawns of living in America versus living abroad. So all that and more coming up. Just a little bit of news here at the top. We've been talking about this new community we launched for seven and eight figure founders. If you're listening to this right now, this week is the last time to get your application in to be part of that founding core of members. I want to read some stats for you. We've received just over 60 applications from revenue qualifying companies. So these are companies with over a million dollars in revenue. The largest company has projected 50 million in sales in 2023, 50 mil. So we got some hitters in the group. We got nine companies. Nine companies had over $10 million in sales in the trailing 12 months. So between 10 and 50. 11 companies had between four and 10 million. So in that kind of high to mid seven figure range, the average revenue we're seeing from applicants is 4.9 million. The average number of employees is 14. And the most common business models represented are e-commerce, SaaS, agency, and service provider. Some other ones I saw here of note were Marketplace. It's a few Marketplaces uh, Fund and online publishers. Some of the common challenges we've observed, and again, I'm pulling down this information from the application sheets and then just sort of anonymizing it across the companies. Some common challenges we're seeing are deploying capital effectively, staffing and scaling teams, navigating macroeconomic changes, and growing a business while also being a good parent, partner, or person. Kind of an interesting one. Maybe kind of unique to the audience, like people who want to grow an amazing business but also have a big life going on outside of that and want to find what balance means for them. That's a common theme that comes up. Yo, I got a family, but I also want to get to this next revenue goal and build wealth or whatever. So... Super cool. Also, from my perspective, it's like you want a good team player. You want team players to join communities. Just because you have a kick-ass business doesn't mean people want to hang around you. <laughs> That's a very big mistake people make is like you can buy a lot of things, but respect ain't one of them. 
The other thing I've been hearing personally is like uh, personal feedback is people are like, thank you guys for doing this. You guys have finally done this. That's been kind of cool. Yeah, the first reply when I tweeted about this was Mark Manson, just clappy hands saying, you finally done it. <laughs> so thanks, Mark. I appreciate it. So if you know somebody be a good fit or if you're a good fit, now's the time. Check us out at dynamitecircle.com. Let's move on to today's episode. For those who moved back to the U.S., was it worth it? I just want to preface the conversation that Ian and I are about to have with just a few personal anecdotes and thoughts. I think the kind of setup here is two things. I think a lot of us agree that there's a better lifestyle to be had out there by moving away from your home country. And especially if your home country is America, there's a lot of places that are more affordable and that, that offer incredible benefits. Like, you know, you can afford childcare. There's a lot of places that are much safer, places that have these incredible walkable cities built for humans and places where you don't need to put so much pressure on yourself to make so much money in order to live the Dolce Vita. The good, to live the Pura Vida, to live the good life. We don't even have a word for the good life in America. But I think the reason this question has touched a nerve is that there is this anxiety, uh, and I'll quote a listener. I feel torn between that, that lifestyle, that quality of life, and the seemingly more glittering opportunities back in the U.S. Or insert your mega economy, your home country a place where you might have more agency as a financial agent versus someone. A lot of us move abroad to become consumers, right? Or to have more purchasing power, to be able to have more freedom, to be able to enjoy ourselves a little bit more. Or maybe just to free up some time to do business. So anyway, my background with this, the context for all this is I left America in 2008. I left my home country in 2008. I always wanted to do long-term travel. And that was one of the inspirations for me to quit my job. The other was, I mean, there's a lot, but seeing the prices that you could live for abroad, I was like, oh man, now all of a sudden I don't need to make so much money. That frees up some time so I can build something. And that was a business opportunity. I first went to Vietnam because we were manufacturing some furniture there. And all of a sudden I saw that you don't have to sacrifice ambition to move abroad either. In fact, there's a lot of ambitious people in Vietnam, expats and locals alike. I fit right in. Not so much pressure to make money right now. I can think a little bit more long-term. I bought myself some runway. There was part of me that thought I was a lifer. Like, things were so good abroad that I would never come home. And honestly, the more than a decade I spent abroad, I started to question that identity about myself and whether or not that was really like the wisest thing long-term. In 2019, as I was starting to question this, I was starting to those rumblings in my psyche about maybe I should be starting to plan for more of a diversified approach, move back home and then kind of travel from a home base. COVID really forced my hand. You know, push came to shove, a global pandemic came about and I thought there's no where I'd rather be in a global pandemic than my home country. And so I got a chance to kind of re-experience America with uh, my passport not being useful at all. So it was kind of an interesting moment. And I'll just give a couple of takeaways. The first is I got over a lot of the stigmas that I had built up in my mind about my home country over the years. You know, there's a lot of talk that you do to boost yourself up when you're an expat. And there's so many benefits. You wonder how you ever managed back home. Especially for me, I left home when I didn't have a lot of agency. I was in debt. 
I was around a lot of people, sometimes we derogatorily call them normies, who were invested in this path and seemingly happy about it. And it didn't make any sense to me. I wanted to get away from that. I assumed everybody back home was like that and that I would be like that again if I went back home. Number two, you got to get over the financial challenge of if you're going to go back to your home country. And that's a lot of it. A lot of this conversation is just the basic finances dressed up in all kinds of political and moral and values conversations. Let's face it, man. America is super, super expensive. When I first thought about this question, I was just like, you need to make, to have consumer freedom, which I think is a core value for so many of us. We want to be able to do and go where we want, right? You need to make about four times what a professional makes in a given economy because purchasing power is about relative wealth. And so in America, if you want to be relatively wealthy and probably your home country too, you got to make a crap ton of money. Do that math. It doesn't look good. You got to make a lot. And that's pressure. And a lot of times what a new business doesn't need is that kind of pressure. If you're incubating something new, sometimes the pressure can help. Sometimes it can't. You got to make the judgment in your situation. When you're doing something creative that takes time to get off the ground, it's really nice when cash flow isn't such a pressure. Now, we've been calling that on the, on the show over the years, the reverse stair step, where if you have a specific idea of an internet business you want to start, it can be an incredible setup to move abroad, to not only be creatively inspired by a new environment, by all kinds of people who are builders and seekers being around you, you have a great filter, but also you can leverage your time incredibly because you have access to all kinds of services that take you away from the chores and the tedium of everyday life. You have no appointments anymore. You have no responsibilities, long-term relationships with, you know, bar mitzvahs and families and communions and weddings and all this kind of, it all just goes out the window and you're just hanging around with a bunch of people that are building and seeking and doing something new. That can be a great environment for a new business. It might not be the best environment for the next 15 years of your life, but it can be really exciting. I think that's why we talk about this stuff so much. Like the theme of the show is, it's location independent, not location arbitrary. Your location just matters dearly. And that brings me to my next point. If you have some anxiety about having not enough contact to a world-class economy, world-class services, world-class founders, world-class competition, however you want to frame that up, then I think maybe you should do something about that. I think that it can be a great opportunity to go somewhere great. Call it that. When I think about my formative experience, it was living in California, working directly for a Stanford MBA at a fast-growing company, and to feel the intensity of what that felt like on a 9 to 5, 9 to 7, 9 to 8, some night, every single day to see the velocity, the intensity of how world-class people perform and how companies can move, the professionalism of it. Producer Jane regularly used to share with me how formative her experience was when she moved to New York City. And that when she worked in journalism in New York City, she saw the intensity and she ended up parlaying that into an incredible career at the BBC. And she would often tell me how much, I don't think she would mind me sharing this. I think she would often tell me about how much that was formative for so many of her European colleagues, that they came to an economy that was kicking ass and they were around people that were kicking ass. I shared shared this idea with my friend Taylor Pearson, who's been on the podcast many times and who now runs a hedge fund. 
And he moved back to America after being an expat. And I said, did it contribute? And he said, you know what? There's many different Americas. He said, Austin's a very special place right now. Austin, Texas. He's like, I don't know if I could make it, you know, in some of these other places around America. But I'll tell you this. There is so much pressure. That's the way he put it. So much pressure. He just kind of like let it sit in the air like that. And I think he's on to something. There is. You just can't escape it. When sometimes you're abroad, you see it. It's like, oh, it's the media. It's, it's this horrible thing. Oh, Americans are this and that. But when you're on the ground, the two things that you might not see in the media is number one, Americans like to have just as much fun as everybody else. So if you're worried that it's no fun around here, you're probably wrong about that. It's just expensive to have fun. And then number two, so much pressure. It's true. I think that there's a lot of people that are performing at an incredibly high level here in America. And another, I mean, look, it's not just America. There's plenty of economies that kick ass. There's plenty of work cultures that kick ass. You know, the most kick-ass work culture I've ever seen personally is China. I have never seen people work like I've seen in China. It's very inspiring and impressive, honestly. Even some of the notes I took down, one of the posters lives, has lived in China and was reflecting on that experience and, and how even some people with an American business background, how much more intense the business culture in China can be. Anyway, location independent isn't location arbitrary. One more thing Mark Manson tweeted me. He said, I once believed I'd never move back, then did. It was the right move. My career definitely would not be what it is today if I didn't come back, not even close. That said, there are major quality of life issues in the US that you don't get elsewhere. So it's a trade-off. The other thing Mark did mention is that he's come to appreciate a lot of the great things more in his 30s than he did in his 20s. And I can see that as sort of this identity molding time. Like I do think in your 20s, it's a great time to go abroad, to experience the world. I think the other thing I'll just wave my hand in the direction of, and, and we'll start the conversation, not end it. But as I was reading so many personal testimonies and essays about this decision, which people take very seriously, the, the different considerations differ dramatically depending on who's talking. I mean, early childhood education versus having teenagers environmental security and safety, depending on what kind of properties you have, right? What kinds of assets you own and is going to change your calculation on all this. Like what kind of justice system do you want to interact with? What kind of banking system do you want to interact with? What are your touch points logistically and culturally? And how does that change based on what you're working on right now or what you're looking for? Some personal notes I don't know. I may be overly stigmatized America a little bit in my mind over the year. That's changed. Also, honestly, I'm doing better from a business perspective. And that's really changed my view. I'll be honest. I think a lot of the, a lot of it's in the cheddar. A lot of the proof, as they say, is in the pudding. You can afford it. America has a lot of wonder, wonderful, wonderful things. For me, one of the reasons that I was starting to have the sense that I might need to that I would want to set up a home base was fundamentally relationships. And there's two sides to every token. Number one is that filter that you get when you're hanging out with seekers and adventurers and expats is incredible. That's the best part. But it's also the worst part, right? Which is that, are those really five to 10 year relationships or are those really things that are more contingent on a moment? And what I wanted to build was more longer term stuff. 
it's complicated to have a business partner from another country or a life partner or a bunch of friends who are just in for a few months. But it's also great to have those things. So there's two sides to every token. Depends on where you're at. I kind of had the sense that I was ready for something that was more solid, a little bit more concrete under my feet. So those are just some things with my story. And just yesterday, Ian and I sat down to talk about some of the pros and cons of our experience in our home country versus abroad. And we're going to roll that conversation now. All right. So we'll start with a pro. A pro of returning to America for me is existential security. The idea of air quality and space. Yeah. But also, hey, during COVID, I read a lot of dark, dark books about like what happens when zombies show up or viruses and stuff like that. And it doesn't matter how many guns you have or how deep into the earth you've burrowed. What essentially matters is leadership and being around people that are cooperating when the hits the fan. And so I do think one of the pros of being in your home country and especially America is this idea of kind of existential security and autonomy. What happens when things get hard? Well, it's pretty good to be at home. And so that's my first pro. Dan, nobody hates the catalytic converter on a car as much as me. Somebody that's performance oriented, it can really choke down the HPs. But when push comes to shove, I really enjoy that air quality. Just being in Mexico City, like uh, at the street level, man, it just hits you like a ton of bricks, me especially, you know? Places like Bali, places like Mexico City, some of these other places that have like basically a lot of like small engines, you know, and motorbikes or that don't have the restrictive emissions controls. Unfortunately, it leads to an untimely death. There's a lot of stats around that. So America for all shortcomings has a lot of emission standards. Yeah, basically digital nomads breathe in a surprising amount of sh in order to save some money. Number two, the con. The con is damn expensive. Oh my goodness, especially the lifestyle that I've come accustomed to. Occasionally in the popular culture is called a luxury lifestyle. You know, I like all the good stuff, man. The nightlife, the skiing, the boats, the service departments, the wealthy and influential influ individuals. Domestic help, coaches, hobbies. I'm reading from a list here. Spas, <laughs> fitness training. <laughs> Who put fitness training on the list? <laughs> America is friggin' expensive, especially when it comes to these kinds of things. An example would be if you like to regularly go to the spa or have a golf coach or join a country club or go out to dinner and order a nice bottle of wine. Or for example, have your family come and visit and show them around for a week. These kinds of lifestyle consumption things, going skiing, you know, all this stuff tends to be extremely, extremely expensive in America. And the delivery isn't that great, man. You go to a country club in America, you order the extra guacamole and get a load of the attitude of the team member who's bringing that to you. There's not a great service class in America at the mid to mid-high level, especially. And so it's pretty much a bummer how much you got to spend in order to have some of the nicer things in life. We were planning a ski trip this year and we, we did it successfully, survived in Colorado. Now, when I started to run the numbers on like Colorado, especially if you look at something crazy like a uh, slope side, like ski and ski out, 
you start to look at how much it costs to do that. And then now that because it's America, basically one corporation owns all of the ski resorts. And so they're able to like jack the price up on these tickets. You start to look at the actual cost of like having eight to 10 family members in a house in Colorado and all going skiing, the rentals, the dinners, all that stuff. Thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. You start looking at the plane ticket that it costs to fly over to, let's say, the Alps, the lodging, the food. It's crazy how you can have so much more if you just go to Europe, basically. So yeah, America has become the wealthiest playground. And because of that, prices have increased everywhere. If you want to have a great ski vacation and you don't mind getting on a plane, you're probably going to have a better time in Switzerland, honestly. Number three pro of uh, moving back to America is just the ease of doing business. One of the things like that would happen to me when I live abroad, Ian, is I'd have this little pile of like administrative work that would just sort of pile up. And especially when I had bank accounts abroad and services that, that had to do with local governments abroad, the plumbing, the infrastructure, the cost of doing business as it's common was just so enormously high that I'm getting mildly angry just thinking about walking down to the Hacienda in Spain. It is obnoxious and frankly, a little bit sad what a lot of entrepreneurs living in these countries have to do just to get something off the ground. It's like they expect you to already be rich with all the crap you got to go through. It's like you got a team of lawyers because you're going to need one. In America, those things are simple. Spinning up a business, getting in touch with legal support, getting a new bank account or getting credit. These things are very straightforward and simple. That's why so many foreign entrepreneurs want to do business here and do so often. You know, America is the number one offshore jurisdiction in the world because we got great customers, we got great infrastructure. And the best part about all that is that you get to focus on your product. You get to focus on your customers. I don't know how Spanish entrepreneurs do it. You guys are amazing. If you're getting off the ground, you guys are amazing. It's just so, so much easier here in America. Yeah, hearing the stories of Spain like really dissuaded me from wanting to own any property there. Somebody that I look up to has several properties in Spain. He's like, I would absolutely never do it again. And this guy's like in the construction business and in the real estate business. And he's like, basically like, don't do it. He's like, these bureaucrats will waste your whole life to justify their existence. And the cool thing in America is like people at that level they're not really trying to make a career out of it and their identity isn't wrapped up into it. And so therefore, like you can kind of get things done there. It's like, it's a very important aspect of their life and their culture is like holding up your application so they can feel important, not pro-business type of environment. All right, Ian, point number four, we said we're going to do pros and cons, but I'm going to throw you a curveball. We're going to call this one a prawn, Hmm. which is basically an upsell on a shrimp. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But it's a little bit of a mix of a pro and a con, which is meeting people that perpetuate your career. I think one of the things that motivates people to ask this question is, where am I going to meet my five closest friends? Where am I going to meet people that inspire me to take the next level in my business that can help me out? And I'm really torn on this one. Honestly, like part of me is like, man, you can't live anywhere better if you want to hang out with tropical MBA types than Austin, Texas. I mean, we are basically an island, sticking with the tropical theme. I mean, people running businesses based around podcasts or publishing or affiliate marketing or or software or e-commerce, I mean, we're all here. But 
then I think about our experience in Barcelona last year where now you have this expat situation where, hey, half of us are from Austin anyway, but now we're actually hanging out because we're abroad and we're in that environment where we're looking to connect with people and we have a freed up calendar and it's not all littered with the, the birthday parties and, the, and then the wedding reception or whatever else gets on the calendar, just life. We're on an adventure together. And so I'm really torn, man. I think that there's benefits to both. And I got to say, take the middle route, which is do a little bit of both. I mean, I think being based somewhere where you can build high quality relationships with six other successful founders is important. And I wouldn't want to be based somewhere where there weren't successful founders, but it's also nice to get on the road and build some new connections and really have long hangs with, with new people. Well, the thing is, Dan, I, when I look back at like um, the history of Silicon Valley, it was really important to be in San Francisco for a long time. And I still think in a lot of ways, it, it's still important. Like the people that you met there and like the people you did business with and the jobs that you got, like people made a career out of living in San Francisco. And I think the same can be said about New York. Now, that was a special time in history. I'm not sure like where the next place that will happen, but certainly a lot of people listening to this podcast there was a time in which that happened in Vietnam. There was a time in which that happened in Thailand. And I think it's still happening. There's a time now which it's happening in Austin. So the question for me is really like, can you meet people that will advance your career? I think for me, it's like, absolutely yes. And then the question is like, where do you meet those people? And do you have to stay there for 20 or 30 years? You know, the case of the Bay Area, like I said, like if you bought like a couple houses there, got a job at Intel, then you got a job at like Google, Facebook, like you're a multimillionaire, like you made your career based on that location or your career yeah. was based on that location. So the question for us, people that like, like to move around and have location independent businesses and kind of be anywhere is where should I live? And I think America is a great place if you want to be around people that are proactive about themselves, their lives and their businesses. I think it's just important where you take your cues from. There's this phrase called keeping up with the Joneses. And the Joneses are the people who live next door with all the nice stuff and the ski vacations. And so if you're going to move to an expensive place, really advise that you're focused around the people you're hanging around with are builders and you're taking lessons from them in terms of, hey, I'm learning secret information that's not going to be on the internet for the next three years because I'm with this amazing cabal of trust of friendship and we are helping and aiding each other grow. If you're just watching everybody spend a lot of money and do amazing things and your fragile little business is the thing you expect to live up to that standard, America's going to be a really tough beat for you because you're going to be around a lot of people with that Intel money and that might not be the pressure that your small business needs right now. Last idea I have about this, Dan, is when you get hit on the head with a coconut, and you look up and like the coconut's coming down and it's the last thing you ever see, you have to ask yourself the question, like, was it worth it? Like getting hit by this coconut on this island? And I think that's really important. I was specifically in my head thinking about this in terms of the people that like have moved to Puerto Rico to evade taxes. <laughs> when you're sitting in Puerto Rico, I've been to Puerto Rico, okay? Not the nicest place in the world. When you're looking up at that coconut that's smashing down on your head and that's the last thing you see, thinking like, was it worth it? I think you have to be asking yourself that question about wherever you live. I love that. So like, is it worth it, the sacrifices that I'm making to live here? Whether it's for like money, business, relationships. Count on the boss man to be asking the big questions. It's like, what do you, 
the death coconut heuristic to life purpose. <laughs> that, that could be something you could sell as our next venture is the tropical NBA death coconut. It's like a magic eight ball that you flip over and it gives you little witticisms about life. Okay, next topic. But I'm also wondering like the dinner table in Puerto Rico. Is there anything those people are talking about except for evading taxes? What else is there to talk about at the Puerto Rican dinner oh. table? I just hung out with someone from Crypto Rico a few days ago. Would object. Would object to your critique for sure. But he's not willing to, to go Austin. back. He's moving back a- to Austin. He's moving yeah. back to Austin. <laughs> anyway, all right. Next point. Point number five. Hard con for me is car culture. Car culture specifically meaning car infrastructure. It's such a bad beat that American cities are mostly built around the automobile. It makes us further apart. We have to endure horrible architecture like parking garages in our central business districts. The distance for walking around is not so great. Now, things are getting better thanks to things like ride sharing and bikes and scooters in in most American cities now. So things are better than they were 10 years ago. And also, I think the tide is turning in terms of development. Americans are realizing that our cities are a tough beat and they're getting marginally better. Downtown Austin is a lot better than it was 10 years ago. I mean, a lot, a lot better, but still ultimately a con. Now, I want to say one thing. I think with the car point, people throw the baby out with the bathwater. Even if I'm living in Barcelona, if I'm living there long-term, I'm ultimately buying a car as well to give me access to nature. And one of the best things about America is also car culture, is the fact that you can jump in your car. What I always say to digital nomads who are against cars, it's like, just get a nice one and enjoy it. What's so hard about this? It's not, car ownership isn't some big, enormous hassle. It actually can be quite great. I think the downside of car culture is that we build our cities around the dang things. And it just makes them way less cool than cities that we experience in other places around the world. As someone that owns, uh, I don't know, between 10 and 20 cars, however you want to count it. Well, it depends like what, how many wheels it has to have on it in order to count as a fully fledged car. <laughs> it's a question that I'm very interested in. And in terms of like a culture, for me, it's like a hobby, right? But in terms of like the culture of living someplace, I think it's way better to live to spend most of your time in a place where you don't need a car. But you're absolutely right. Everybody I know that's spent any amount of time living in a city that you don't need a car, they still have a car to get to other places. It doesn't matter how good the Japanese rail is. It doesn't matter how many trains there are in Europe. The people that are movers and shakers and go on vacations and have friends in different locations, they have cars. All right, here's the final one, Ian. Obviously, we could talk about this for hours. I'll just say final con of living in America is the cultural echo chamber. My joke for the critics to say, how can you run a podcast called The Tropical MBA and live in Texas? I say, America is the largest island country in the world. What do you, we basically live on an island from an ideological and media perspective. Have they never been to Corpus Christi or South Padre <laughs> Island? <laughs> I mean, there's coconuts down there. What is up with there? these listeners? I thought y'all were travelers. Here's the interesting thing about America, if you haven't yet visited, is that we don't learn about other countries. We don't know about places that are not America. In fact, all the greatest accomplishments and great things are basically American. And we don't learn about like what, hey, I wonder what the German chancellor's up to. That's not relevant to the American discourse. And so I think 
this is a point not just for Americans, but for anybody. It's my classic why I love Anthony Bourdain speech. It's like, use your resources and use your energy. If you can't go abroad, go across the street, baby, because there's nothing like walking a mile in someone else's shoes. There's nothing like the entrepreneurial experience of being somewhere that's developing, that has a hunger, that's growing, and seeing all the opportunities that through other people's eyes. One of the best things about traveling is that just business ideas come up all day long because you see the differences between where you once were and where you now are at. And so, yeah, being around a very kind of uniform cultural echo chamber, although not always bad, is ultimately one of the cons of living in America. So let's wrap it up from the very top to answer the question, moving back to America, was it worth it? Full of prawns. Uh, I got to say prawn, a bowl full of prawns. <laughs> hey, it's the best part. Expensive Look, we do the, shrimp. <laughs> it's expensive. <laughs> I think if you're in a moment in your life where you're lifestyle focused, man, there's so many better countries in the world yeah. to focus on your lifestyle, to improve your golf game, to do that family ski trip. Yep. they doing it in America. You know, if you want to grow a podcast business and maybe you'd consider coming to Austin, Texas and meeting all the amazing podcasters that are here in town. But the sweet spot is what we talk about here, which is I think ultimately having a home base in a place where those top existential needs are met, whether for you that's environment, family, security, earning, and then have the ultimate freedom to travel when and where you please. You really nailed it for me, Dan. There's a couple of trends. One is the older I get, I think the less I'm going to want to own potentially. So like earning years and then owning assets and then maybe 50, 60 years old, like sell it all basically and like focus on lifestyle. If you want to focus on lifestyle, America isn't great, basically, depending on your price point. I mean, if you're ultra rich, yeah, sure, it's great. But you know, if you're somewhere in the middle, not great. You can afford a lot more in a lot of different places. So for me, if you're lifestyle focused, which I'm not particularly lifestyle focused right now, I'm more business focused. I think for the next 10 years, if America's a great place to be. That's it. That's it. You guys are going to have to make your own decisions. Again, if you aren't from the United States, I think this question is pretty relevant too, in terms of like which country you're from and whether or not you're returning to it. I would like to see the stats, Dan, but I bet it's something crazy in terms of like the people that return back to their home country or their hometown mm. after any given amount of years. I bet it's like, fairly high if I had to guess. You know, for me and you, I think like we're so far away from our hometowns that it's not going to make sense. But a lot of people, they like deeply identify with it for like their whole life. Sure. Digital nomadism isn't Lindy. You know what I mean? Like yeah. a long enough time period, most end up back home. And the idea that even the election that you would permanently reside elsewhere is strange and disconcerting ultimately. Like, you know, where does that identity land? And that's what I, it was an interesting moment for me personally with COVID sort of pushing the issue where I knew that I, the regression was going to happen eventually for me, but it certainly forced my hand. And when things are good, you don't necessarily need to make that decision. But when it comes to issues like education or starting a new business or illness or uh, security, you might need to figure out what you really like rather than continue to be on an exploratory thing. And also it's just, hey, different things for different times of life. It is in different times of life, right? So, I mean, right now, like 
world travel is at an all-time low in terms of the cost, and it's relatively easy to do. And also, like, these borders are relatively open. I don't know what's going to happen in, like, the next 10 years, but we could be living in, like, the golden age of, like, travel and work. It could become much harder to do what we're doing right now. And so I think for guys like you and me, we kind of saw this opportunity and we seized it. And then we, like, even took it, like, a little bit too far. So it's like, well, what would it look like to live in this country and, like, denounce my citizenship? And maybe that's too far for some, not too far for others. But I mean all these options were on the table and they're like really exciting because you grew up in a small town in here instance, Pennsylvania. And like, now you have the opportunity to like live in Spain. It's a pretty radical idea in the history of humanity. That's relatively easy to do right now. So curious to see if that's going to be the case in the future. And if people even want to do it again with TikTok, with Facebook, I can just explore the Egyptian pyramids. I don't have to go anywhere. I just open my laptop. You know, my pattern is, I grew up in this just okay, kind of mediocre Pennsylvania town. So I'm going to go to like a worse town in another country, but not know it for like five years. I can't speak the language. And eventually it dawns on me that it's just not as good even as the place I grew up. Ah, All right, that's it. Let's talk next week. That's it for this one. I hope we're starting the conversation. I hope it wasn't, I don't know. It's okay to not do a business episode, right? I think <laughs> I love doing, I love talking about things like location. I hope you do too. Email us if you'd like to hear more, dan at tropicalmba.com. I'm also tweeting a lot about topics on the show. You can find me on the Twitters at tropicalmba. And do, if you enjoy this pod, you will enjoy our newsletter. You'll be able to hear behind the scenes stuff about what's happening at the podcast. Check it out. You can sign up at tropicalmba.com. That's it for this week. We'll be back next Thursday morning with a business topic. I promise. Hey, thanks for listening to the Tropical MBA podcast. You can go to tropicalmba.com, get access to hundreds of back episodes and all kinds of other goodies. Load up your iPod. That is the cheapest way to fly business class on your next international flight. We will see you next Thursday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Thank you.